This is the Overclocked Podcast, a weekly dose of video game music and conversation from ocremix.org. This week, we welcome back composer Rebecca Tripp to talk Twilight Princess, prove just how little we actually know with another round of secret songs, and travel to Kanto, Johto, and beyond with this week's playlist. You've made it back, folks, back to another episode of your favorite, like, top ten. Absolutely. Their, no, their favorite thing in the world. Their favorite thing. Welcome back to your favorite thing in the world. Apologize to your family. Apologize to your friends. Apologize to your dog. I'm, I'm here with your second favorite thing in the world, Brian. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? You can't actually reply to me. But let's pretend they did. Like, comment, and subscribe and tell me how you're doing. <laughs> Subtle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Steven. I'm his brother. And together we run this here podcast. Absolutely. This is a video game music podcast specifically celebrating the work of ocremix.org. And we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Some of them remixes, some of them not. (laughs) You know, what's going to happen is uh, Rebecca is back on the show. But once again, we decided to split an interview into two parts because we walked through her entire um, song. The song is 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, see, that explains a lot. Yes. So what sort of song did she do? Um, well, it's like the last one in the sense that it's a medley about a video right. game. Last time it was Final Fantasy VI, and this time it's The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, as you might have been tipped off from the intro where we said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's actually true. But that, that's really cool. She has a very unique style of doing things. I don't honestly don't know very many remixers or composers mm-hmm. in the video game music scene who do medleys like that, long-form yeah. uh, compilations of a lot of different songs and i think it gives her a really unique take and allows her to do i'm sure you'll talk about in the interview allows her to do a lot of things that you just can't typically hear in video game music it's more of like a film score or something in that respect yeah that's a good call she actually referenced um film scores in the creation of this one and i'll tell you why i find um her medley so um uh, listenable and interesting it's because they tell a story and that's why i like having her on the show because she walks us through this through the story and all of those little details in the background are there for a reason. Yeah. It's really interesting. I can't wait to hear it. That's going to be great. Well, Stephen, we also have a remix rewind to do. Yes, let's do that. Let's look at the The second Dr. Wily theme from Mega Man 2 is basically just the same progression of four notes in repeating ascension. Impossible to remix? Heck no, says Rushjet1, as he gives us dark depths of Wily's castle, a bold example of how some very creative license can transform a thing without destroying it. The circuitry of the original robot with a shiny new chassis.
Remixer Dusk does something special for Zelda's lullaby from Ocarina of Time, writing and performing new lyrics for a song, Dream, to turn the track into a real lullaby. Acoustic guitar is the perfect choice to give this classic song new life, and really brings this piece of Hyrule to our world. Nostalvania's Have Ship Will Travel treats a medley of songs from Link's Awakening to a night on the town at a classy dinner club. The smooth jazz piano drifts by in a pleasing way, conjuring a dimly lit evening with good company, conversing over the ambient clink and clatter of silver and glass.
Inspired by the announcement of Shenmue 3, remixer Rotaka reintroduces us to a few of the beautiful soaring tracks that brought the original Shenmue to life in such vivid color. This arrangement is a slow and emotional tour of a beloved place, a bird's eye view of a mysterious mountain city, unveiled by the light of a sunrise. For these remixes and more, head over to ocremix.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another In Tune interview where we talk to composers about the music that they compose. Um, I'm Stephen, once again, your host, and Brian has gotten lost in the woods. It's kind of his hobby at this point, so he's not here. We're thinking it might be the Pharaon Woods, but that's uh, up to debate as of now. <laughs> and we actually have a repeat guest with us today, someone who you might have known from the past, Rebecca Tripp. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how you doing today? Pretty good. Happy to be back on here. Nice. Me too. Um, and for those of you who may not remember, um, Rebecca has done all, all sorts of musical arrangements of, of video games and otherwise, but we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda today. But before we get onto that, um, could you maybe give us a, a little quick overview of what kind of music you make? I would say uh, it's sort of a, I would call it a combination of video game music, classical and world music. So I'd call it very chill, mm -hmm. sort of romantic style, orchestral music with a lot of Celtic influence. And uh, a lot of that has been game stuff, but um, others are just original compositions, right? Oh yeah, um, most of my work's original, but the game stuff's a lot more popular and it's a lot more fun. Well, it's it's not too surprising. You add Zelda to a title and you'll get a whole new fan base immediately installed. And that can be fun. So, I mean, we've since we've actually already done an interview with you before, a lot of people might already know sort of your history with music and everything. So let's focus a little more on Zelda, because last time we talked Final Fantasy VI. So the uh, the medley this time, by the way, we've done a lot of album interviews recently, a lot of broad overviews of large quantities of music, but now we're getting back to the basics and talking about a single song. The catch is that the single song could potentially contain an entire album in and of <laughs> it's, itself. Yeah, it's 31 minutes long, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and this is the Twilight Princess arrangement. So before we start talking about the music, what's your history with Zelda? Are you, I guess you're a longtime Zelda fan? Oh yeah. Um, I started the series when I was 10. Link to the Past and Link's Awakening, pretty much at the same time. 
interviewer talked about how Final Fantasy pretty much changed my life. Well, Zelda did that too, only it mm -hmm. did it first. Uh, oh. I always like video games, but the first time I saw Link to the Past in particular, I, I realized that video games were an art form. That's what sort of clued me into what I wanted to do with my life and what my real interests were. I think a, a lot of people had, uh, if not an identical, a similar reaction to A Link to the Past. Yeah, um, absolutely. For me, I didn't, I didn't start Zelda until... Quite a bit later than that, but even going back, I can see the footprints. And um, what was your first one? First Zelda game I ever played was actually Wind Waker. Ooh, well, that's a good place to start. It very much has a special place in my heart. It took no adjustment, um, you know, learning about this this new, you know, sort of cartoony, lovely. Zelda world because it was the first one I ever knew about so yeah. it was perfectly natural I, I loved it and I loved all of the other games since then so I, um, I'm, I'm kind of already biased towards the series and whatnot but I would say that Wind Waker is a 10 out of 10 game it's phenomenal there's so many things about it that are really good mm -hmm. and uh, just if you didn't know I have a Wind Waker orchestral medley too I did, yeah, I did know about that. I okay. have listened to it. It's one of my favorites of yours, actually. Uh, oh, thank yeah, you. it turned out really well. It's such a such a special musical style that that game nailed. It's actually my favorite of all of my medleys that I've ever oh, really? done. I've done about a hundred, nice. but that one in particular, I, I, I guess I just poured so much of my joy into it. And when I did this Twilight Princess one, it's the only one that tied with it when I finished. Oh, really? Well, hopefully someday we can talk about the Wind Waker one at some point. I would love to do that. It's still my favorite Zelda game, so that'd be great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my favorites are probably Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time, but I, honestly, it's very close between those uh, mm -hmm. and some of the others, including Wind Waker. Uh, and Link Between Worlds kind of stole my heart recently, but I think in terms of story, it's Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time... And Majora's Mask for me. So what would you say is your second favorite? Yeah, that's a really good question. Hearing you talk, I started thinking, well, maybe that's my favorite. No, actually, maybe that's my favorite. But I, I suppose I'd have to say Ocarina of Time is my second favorite. Though for quite a long time, I held up Majora's Mask as the greatest Zelda game. So I do change my mind as the years pass and I learn more about them and kind of change my... I well, don't they're, know. they're all kind of great for different reasons, you know? I would say yeah. that Majora's Mask... And Wind Waker had the deepest character development, but probably by a long shot. A couple other mm -hmm. games came a little bit close. Uh, there was a bit of that in Twilight Princess, um, especially with Midna and a couple of the NPCs. You got to see more insight into them and everything. But uh, Majora's Mask was the, the first time a Zelda game made me cry. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Major Majora's Mask was, I think emotionally and thematically the most interesting and arresting of all of the Zelda games. It's the one I enjoy thinking about the most, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it did something to me. A lot of video games did something to me psychologically, almost like a plateau in, in my creative mm. development. Links to the Past is the earliest memory of at least video games doing that, as I mentioned, but Majora's Mask is the next one after FF6. So where does Twilight Princess lie in the pantheon of Zelda for you? I would say that Twilight Princess is my favorite world setting in the series. 
Mm. And it, it completely stole my heart. It just had this big open world. All the textures were incredibly elaborate for their time. Uh, and it was made in the Wind Waker engine, which was interesting. Uh, you probably already know it was originally made for the GameCube. And right. uh, it played the same as Wind Waker, but I felt like in some ways the controls had been perfected. That might have been my imagination. Whether it was built on the same engine or not, it's kind of phenomenal how different it feels than Wind Waker. It feels a little oh, more yeah. refined, but you would never guess that it, it shared so much DNA, you know, besides the fact that all of the Zelda games up to this point have a certain similar heart to them. Yeah, uh, I mean, the gameplay mechanics are the only thing that is sort of a clue to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Link can do all the same moves, all the sword techniques, and can he can hang on yeah, the ledge yeah. and all that. And uh Twilight Princess was sort of a special Zelda game for me because it was the first um, game in this series um, that I got to experience the anticipation for. Because like I said, Wind Waker was my first Zelda game, so I just stumbled into it. Then I went back and played Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and some of the older ones. Um, And then when Twilight Princess came up on the horizon... I was so excited because I finally got to experience what it was like to look forward to a Zelda game. Um, yeah, it's a really nice feeling. I can certainly say it did not disappoint. Um, my my favorite like anecdote from playing Twilight Princess was Brian and I um, sitting on the floor, and, and I was about 16, I guess, when it came out, um, sitting on the floor for so long uh, that I remember it was somewhere in the water temple um that i realized i had forgotten how to stand up (laughs) and it took me about 30 seconds to realize that i could use my legs once again and i should probably get something to eat (laughs) you just didn't want to stop yeah no it was really one of those games i did not want to stop until the very end and of course why we're here the music was a really big part of that definitely it followed in wind waker's footsteps in terms of soundtrack development Mm -hmm. a similar group of composers and a similar placement of music it had tiny little themes for individual things individual boss themes lots more cutscene music that's just unique to one little scene lots mm-hmm. of variants on all the characters themes that didn't happen until wind waker in the series yeah definitely it it, it worked on that and in, in a lot of ways while still sticking to that very um deliberate and in for me nostalgic zelda stylings Though the music did take a while to grow on me, I will have to admit. Uh, when I first heard the Hyrule Field song, for some reason, I was I was not sold. I was not impressed. I wasn't at all sure about it. Oh, that's funny. I know, and now it's just one of the most memorable, heartfelt songs in in video game history. But I think part of it might have been how the music, uh, you know, would would change and adapt depending on what you were doing. Yeah. Um, I I think I really fell in love with that theme once you're on the horse and riding at a full gallop, and then the chorus comes in. Yeah, it was so exciting. That started with Ocarina. 
but Twilight Princess perfected it. Actually, Wind Waker probably was pretty much on par. Twilight Princess just had extra interactive music. How would, I don't know, how would you describe the music of Twilight Princess, especially how it compares to other Zelda game soundtracks? Like, what about it was different to you? It was more varied right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I think it's out of all the games in the series, besides maybe Skyward Sword, it had the most varied soundtrack in terms of style. So that jumps out at me right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it moved a lot away from the pre-established Link to the Past music formula, which I felt was very classical, almost like mm-hmm. 1930s movies kind of mixed with something like Grieg or Halst, and then traditional Japanese music and Celtic music, all those things sort of came together. And then w- when we got to Twilight Princess, we we had some of that, but there were a lot more uh, experimental tracks. And uh, I guess this isn't new exactly, because Ocarina of Time sort of started this, but a lot more world instruments were in it too. I kind of feel like Twilight Princess had a an almost rustic feel like it had a lot of woodwinds yeah and it really fit with the aesthetic of the game too how there's a lot of you know really simple wooden structures and buildings and forests and yeah it had a you know especially since you started out on this ranch and you're basically you know herding oxen or whatever it was like there was this really uh i don't know woodsy style to the game yeah i know i know exactly what you mean it was sort of a frontier feeling or mm-hmm. wild west or pioneer feeling and then you had that juxtaposed with the Hyrulean Roman Empire feeling <laughs> yeah and it was yeah. a very strange mix but it somehow worked yeah definitely so when you were looking at you know your arrangement of Twilight Princess how much of that did you want to capture and how much of it did you want to sort of spin with your own you know musical style uh, I, I wanted to Actually, what one of my goals with it was to take all the extremely varied different styles and make them all one style. Mm-hmm. I wanted to glue them together with my medley, if that makes sense. So I used instrumentation and different techniques to try and show how, even though these things feel very different, they all belong under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. I guess that the focus wasn't really on capturing the aesthetic of the music, at all, but to capture the the soul of it and to show that it's all the same soul. Does that make sense? I think it. I think it definitely makes sense, especially because you're you're kind of repurposing this, these melodies and taking the story apart and putting it back together again in a completely new way. It's sort of like breathing life into a, a story you know well. Ah, oh, well, I like it when people put it that way because it makes me feel like <laughs> I'm on the right track. Good. <laughs> Hopefully that's a good sign. So I guess let's walk us through the the story of this arrangement, because you kind of said you had it divided into several arcs. So what was your thinking behind that? I wanted to take the listener on an emotional journey that was simultaneously nostalgic, but breathing new life into it, as you said. Almost mm-hmm. like they're having a new playthrough where they approach it differently and think differently and are seeing new sides to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mostly followed the actual order that the song should appear in in the story, with a couple exceptions. But the exceptions right. were often things that you could go to at any point, say the, the Hyrule Castle Town 
what are the what are the different movements you would say like how did you end up splitting it up in your head okay well what i did i actually pictured it playing like a movie while i was dreaming it up and i wanted to start with link relaxing at the ranch probably lying down on the grass somewhere with a a little weed in Mm -hmm. his teeth or something and it's evening and he's had his day of work and it plays the start of the Ordon Ranch theme and the Hawk theme, almost like he's practicing blowing on the grass maybe a couple of years mm-hmm. before, you know, just showing his connection to the ranch. It starts very calm, just like it does in the game. It starts with him and Russell talking, uh, and then it plays the tune when he and Russell are heading back to the village, and it's sort of a slow anthem. Mm-hmm. Once we've set the scene and, and kind of got people into the game, it's almost like a fanfare. It's saying, yeah, Twilight Princess, we remember this. <laughs> and I sort of shifted that departure theme into the Ordon Village theme. And I, again, I imagine it playing like a movie, them slowly coming into the town as they do in the game and walking past all the familiar right. doors and people going about their business, sweeping, weaving, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what I did was I made the Ordon Village theme slowly get more whimsical and folky. So it starts out more sort of movie-like and dramatic, and then it gets sort of more gentle, and it shows the kind of whimsical side of... It's a fairy village, really. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about it, 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 it's heavily hinted at, but it's sitting in the place Copri Forest once was, or very near it. And, uh, I mean, even the, the shape of Link's window is an ivy leaf, and that's the same shape as the outset island male emblem from Wind Waker and they're right next to this magical forest. First we move into Farron Woods, and, and that's where it gets really sort of witchy and mysterious. And, um, more flute, more harp, and it's it's very green suddenly, and, and it's mm-hmm. in twilight. It's mysterious. And then I move to the spirit sadness, partly because it's aesthetically similar, but partly because the forest is, is sort of haunted with spirits in general. It, it's always, in every Zelda game, uh, the forests are filled with spirits and... Mm-hmm entities and magic and i introduced some voice like a choir in the background of the forest as though the spirits are watching you and singing from afar and then they change their tune gradually into the
After the spirit sadness, I moved towards the Kakariko graveyard theme because I was thinking to myself, mm -hmm. well, I wanted to represent all of the light spirits, not just the Farron one. And uh, the next light spirit that you encounter after you're done Ordon and Farron is in Kakariko, and that's the next chunk of the game anyway. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Kakariko's so different from Ordon and Farron, how could I possibly bridge them? And the answer was with that magic. It's a different kind of magic in that valley, though. It's a much mm -hmm. more sort of fiery, ancient as well, but it, almost alien compared to uh, the forest magic. It, right. It, it's not childlike and whimsical. It, it's sort of solemn and very powerful. So I started with the graveyard, because the graveyard seemed like the place that would be most infested with spirits, right? So I, I put... Um, the drumming of the graveyard into the spirit sadness and then oh, transitioned yeah. into the, almost like it's a, a ceremony for the dead and for the spirit that they all honor in Kakriko. one of my favorite things about Kakariko, how it has this, it almost seems like that whole place should be barren and no one should be living there because it's so dry and there's, you know, there's the whole even from Ocarina of Time, there's the graveyard theme, and yet it's a strangely and wonderfully lively place, and everyone seems very alert and happy there, and I always liked that little juxtaposition. Yeah, when, when I played through the game when I was a teenager, I, I had a lot of, uh, fantasies about just staying at the inn in Kakariko. <laughs> you just wander around there at night and I always wanted to get that little baby Goron business because he was so happy. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, brother, you know. I know. I love those guys. And, you know, when I went there, um, I made it my entire mission to um, see how far I could fly with a, a cuckoo on my head. Oh, yeah. Um, and there were certain uh, platforms and cliffs that Brian and I were always trying to see if we could get to. We probably spent a solid hour just trying to get to places uh, with a chicken atop our domes, and it was a good time. It's a fun place. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So in Kakariko, it was very easy to transition from the graveyard to Kakariko because it, uh, it had the same kind of base to it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start Kakariko with a bang, you know, that boom, boom. Yeah, because yeah. the first time you hear that, it, it sends a chill down your spine, you know? At least uh -huh. it, it did for me. I bet it did for you. And then what I did was, you know how there are so many emotional scenes in Kakariko with all the children and whatnot, and, and the shaman, and uh, uh -huh. I slowly softened it towards the more ethereal themes that play with the guitars. Except I didn't use a guitar. I used a mandolin in several places throughout, actually. To, the mandolin is to represent Hyrule. I softened it more and more and more until I could get to Lake Hylia, uh, which also has a connection with Kakariko, not just because there's also a light spirit there, but because the Zora grave is in the graveyard there. Mm -hmm. And you need to bring the prince there to get him healed by the shaman. And it sort of shows the kinship between the Gorons and the Zoras and how that's been built up. Yeah, I'm glad you're able to put them next to each other. 
Yeah, and the juxtaposition is kind of neat. We go from green to red to blue, just like we do in most of the Zeldas. And the Zora's Domain theme is just so subtle, you might even miss it. Um, oh, yeah. Th- th- that was very, very quick, actually. I mostly wanted to just do the Lake Hylia theme. I thought focus more on Lake Hylia, because this is the first game in the series where Lake Hylia gets its own theme. Yeah, definitely. They put a lot of work into it. You could tell that they wanted it to be a really special part of the game. Oh, yeah, oh, and it was. And, and I wanted it to sound like you just got dropped into the lake and you're immersed in the water and it's all blue and glowing and ethereal and there's Zora swimming gracefully around you and rainbow coral and a sunset with a rainbow. I just I wanted it to be this completely magical time for the listener where, where they're getting washed clean of all the dust from the previous location. That was just part one of our interview with Rebecca Tripp. Tune in next week for part two, where we run through the rest of her Twilight Princess Symphony. It is time for the secret songs. Oh boy. Oh where boy. we you... test our video game knowledge by searching the internet far and wide for a song to stump the other with. Yeah, the difficulty does not come in guessing what the song is. The difficulty comes in finding a song the other person doesn't know about. Well, Steven, I'm going to be magnanimous today and start with mine. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to go? I'm so annoyed that that surprised me. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm ready. Three... Two, one, click. Well, this is a good beat. Thank you. I made it myself. So, any thoughts yet? Absolutely zero idea of where to start. For once, I don't know if this is from a JRPG. <laughs> I feel like this could be from a new Donkey Kong Country game. I knew that's what you were going to go to, because this is extremely David Wise. What is it? I don't know, man. It is from Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, so it is from a Japanese RPG. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> this is Cypher Lab. Whoa, oh man, Pokemon, you were thematic. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I wasn't thematic. A long way back, I used a secret song from Pokemon Shuffle. This is the same composer. Oh, I really? guess he's kind of their off-game cool. composer. Uh, but I really like, he has, I mean, it's jazzy is thrown around all the time in video game music because it's a very common influence, but he definitely has a very jazzy style, even compared to the Pokemon games. Oh, yeah. Man, I mean, I like this stuff more than the mainline Pokemon stuff. Uh, some of it, yeah. When he gets into like this piano stuff and that that instrument, I don't even know what it is. It's like that harmonica style instrument mm-hmm. he brings in is so Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, yep, yep. But I mean, especially you know this uh kind of solo jazzy piano thing reminds me of the uh, um, Overworld of Donkey Kong Country. That boom, yep, ba doom, ba doom, boom, ba doom, boom. 
Yep, absolutely. All right, Steven, we're going to see what you brought now. I have a hint. It's not Pokemon. This will be easy yep. now. Because the Pokemon games constitute like... Because you only listen to Pokemon music. Uh, yep. That's All right, nice. are you ready to go? Three, two, one, click. So this is jazzy. It's kind of more funky. I feel like our two tracks could go together and create a super track. We should do a mashup. I mean, it's good production values. Sounds like a small jazz ensemble, but real instruments. How cool is this part? Oh, it's great. It's really good. Well, it's tough. I mean, I'm going to guess it's fairly modern. The production values don't sound like something that would have been around for I'll give you a big hint, long. so you'll actually have a, a chance. Okay, go go ahead. I told you about this game uh, soundtrack excitedly recently. You told me about it excitedly recently. You did not seem to be paying very much attention to me, however. Well, I don't <laughs> so... typically do. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think it's Jake Kaufman. It's not Jake Kaufman, right? Nope. Okay, it doesn't once, sound like his production value. It's more sparse and real. He tends to yeah. go big and uh, uh, overproduced kind of pop sound. Mm-hmm. Um... You told me excitedly about this soundtrack recently. You, you tell me about a lot of soundtrack. Wait, what? this isn't oh. more Sonic, is it? No, it isn't. Okay, then I don't know. What is it? This is from Mr. Driller Drillland. Of course. Yeah, this is great. It's from our good friend, Goshina. We don't yeah. actually know Goshina, but... You know, he's he, my friend. Yes, in my heart. <laughs> uh, I think that... I was thinking about this the other day. I think Goshina might be one of the most talented Japanese um, like BGM composers who never gets talked about. I agree. He's done um, stuff from Tales of Zestiria before. He's on the Namco team, hence why he did this Driller Man game. Yeah. This game never came out in the U.S. I learned about it from Dan Floyd um, over at Extra Credits. He put a series of videos together about this with a guest. Wow. Um, and it was it was on the GameCube, never came to the West, as far as I know. And the game has insane production values, and the music is obviously um, yeah. part of that. This is fantastic. I am definitely going to go give this whole soundtrack a listen. Do. And the great thing is, no other song on the whole album sounds like that. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. It goes everywhere. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I would say this is a very successful Secret Song segment. We were not Me good too. at guessing, but... That's okay. It's more fun when we don't know what it is. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the outro, Stephen. All right. See you guys on the other side. Like this, this, like that, like, like that, that. I like it. I like it. 
here we are on the other side. The grass is always greener. So mm. now I want to go back and do his other secret song. Oh, guess we better do the remixed rewind. No, no. We have to. So I recently floated the theory that if you enjoy doing something, you should just enjoy. If, you, if it was fun the first time, then by definition, it should be fun every time after that. Tell so I guess Assassin's we, Creed. I guess we could. <laughs> that was really good. So I guess by that logic, we should just keep replaying the remix rewind segment over and over and over again. <laughs> We could always try. Yeah. It would certainly save us some work. Speaking of saving <laughs> us some work, I want to go eat dinner and relax. So um, let's do our little send-off thing where we can tell people how to get in touch with us and learn more about OCR. Absolutely. You can find everything Overclocked Remix on the website ocremix.org. Do you want remixes? you want the forms? you want the latest news? It's all there. And if you want to find us specifically, a good way to do that is Twitter. Over there, we're OCR Podcast, and you can submit playlist submissions or just, you know, hang out. And if you want to submit anything longer form, you can email us at podcast at ocremix.org. And lastly, we would like to thank our con- contributor? Contributor? Yes, our contraband. We'd like to thank our, our professional contraband, Sin Shadas. He does all of the writing for the Remix Rewind segment, helps out a lot, and it's just really good. <laughs> so thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to him, as always. And thanks to you, the listeners. Speaking of the listeners, you guys sent us a bunch of submissions for this week's playlist. So let's go ahead and give those a listen. Pokemon! <laughs> The Playlist is a weekly collection of listener-submitted recommendations so we can all discover music together. This week's theme is Pokemon Music. Gym Battle Metal Guitar Remix from Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow and remixed by Jack Fliegler. Submitted by Sin. is where the love disc is from pokemon diamond and pearl remixed by protodrome and submitted by gene merrick
TJ Smivey's Smooth Moves, from Pokemon Black and White, remixed by Overclock University, and submitted by OA. Fire Fighting and Science Clubs from the Pokemon Trading Card Game and submitted by Kyle JCRB. From Pokemon Gold and Silver, remixed by Fishy and Andy Jane, and submitted by Square Evil. (laughs) 
Professor Oak's check from Pokemon Snap and submitted by Mike. Pokemon Center from Pokemon X and Y and submitted by me. stage from Pokemon Shuffle and submitted by me. You've been listening to the Overclocked Podcast. Next week's playlist is Choral Music. Let's give those unsung choir songs some love, shall we? To submit your suggestions, or just say do re mi, hit us up on Twitter at OCR Podcast, email us at podcast at ocremix.org, or visit us on the forums at ocremix.org. This week's lyrical wisdom? You teach me, and I'll teach you. Pokemon. Gotta catch em all. Gotta catch em all. Yeah.